Welcome to the Be Still My Soul podcast. I'm Pastor Ray Brandon, bringing daily encouragement to the church. We are in the Gospel Project, Unit 20, Session 4, Day 1, reading from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And today we're going to do a recap of yesterday's message. Um, It goes really hand in hand when we talk about following Jesus, at least the introduction of yesterday's message. One of the principles uh, connects directly with following Jesus and Jesus calling his disciples. But we're going to leave you on your own today to read and study Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 as we do this recap. But before we do, just a couple of things happening at Northbridge. One, this uh, coming Sunday is a pastor's dinner, and so you have the opportunity to connect with me and my family, and so we want to extend an invitation uh, to you to do that um, if you attend Northbridge Church, as well as um, on March 6th, we are having a, uh, a discussion of biblical theology of youth ministry. This is hosted by a couple of fathers in the church, and they're facilitating that discussion. So moms and dads, this will be an enriching experience for you. The book is is excellent. And then I just wanted to mention that if you haven't signed up for Camp Mishawana, that signups are off the hook. This is a, a wonderful thing that we look forward to getting together as a church family and doing some camping. And we just have a great church family. It's an amazing time that we have together at Camp Mishawana. And so there's instructions in the Northbridge app, or you can go to the website www.northbridge.me and take advantage of those kinds of connect events that are coming up as well as just a reminder that um, as we are looking at the discipline of godliness uh, we are talking about being disciplined the effort the grace-driven effort that we have towards godliness well, part of that godliness and part of that grace-driven effort is the discipline of rest. And so we've invited Pastor Glenn Blossom on March 14th, and he is going to be delivering a very special message on the discipline of rest. And, you know, when you think about it, um, letting go and saying God is in control and I'm going to rest and I'm going to put my feet up and I'm going to worship and I am going to say, God, you've got this, is is difficult. It's very difficult, and it's countercultural. Um, we would much rather wear ourselves out into the grave almost than trust God sometimes. And so it's important, as God has given us this gift, that for his glory and for our sanity, that we learn to rest. As well as I want you to be aware of in April. So the Sunday following Resurrection Sunday, uh, we have a special series and a special speaker all month into the first Sunday of May. And we're looking at God in government. So a very relevant and enlightening topic from God's word. And we're going to be looking at that the entire month. So don't miss those events. All right, let's get into 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 very briefly here. So we said there's two commitments that as you set the table getting into this first instruction in chapter 5 that Paul has for the pastor Timothy at the church of Ephesus, there's two things that we need to know. There's certain things that we bring to the text. Um, Oftentimes, we have a commitment to churchianity, or we're influenced by a pagan secular culture, and it makes it it very difficult to follow Jesus. We're going to be considering that, um, that, that main question of what is it to follow Jesus this week in the Gospel Project. Uh, but there's a, we need to think about that every time we come to the text, because oftentimes there's either church tradition or family tradition or 
secular philosophy, or or it could be that sin itself has a hold of on our heart, and so we're not willing to give and let go and go God's way because there's certain things in our lives that um, that are weighing us down, even even um, uh, interfering with our relationship with with God, and so we have to commit ourselves to saying, okay, what does the text say, and where does that demand change in my life? And oftentimes we don't feel the weight, the demand, the um, the working of grace through that command in our lives simply because um, we have a pre-commitment. Um, and so we need to be aware of that um, in our lives and be willing to make the shift to say, God, whatever you would have for me, whatever direction you would want me to go, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to give up the wants um, in my life in order for you to address the need in my life and to use me in the lives of others. The second is the discipline of godliness. Paul talks ab- about godliness to Timothy uh, multiple times. Godliness is simply the what you believe at, coupled with how you live. And so in that discipline of godliness, we have to understand how the principle of grace and the person of grace operates. So all through Scripture, are the person that's coming to our defense, in other words, our defense attorney in Scripture, is God himself. Um, it would seem like from one angle that God is the prosecutor, but he is not. He's not the accuser, but rather he's the lover. He's the one who loves us. And he does that through justice. He does that on the cross through justice. His grace is not apart from his justice. That's how he can be our defense attorney. It's the devil that's the accuser. The devil is the one that points the bony finger and accuses us. And the devil has a particular kind of religion. It is right doctrine without grace. Um, so right doctrine without grace. What do, what do you mean by that? I could be getting into some trouble here. Well, there's certain things that the devil believes, certain propositional truths that the devil believes. We looked at how he will distort the truth and, and he will lie, but there's certain things that the devil does believe that are true, but it is, it is propositional religion without grace, and that's the devil's religion. What do you mean by that? Well, the devil does believe in Jesus coming personally to earth, born of a virgin, died on the cross, rose again. He believes those propositional truths, um, but it's one, it's not godliness because it's divorced from what he does. He seeks to use that to kill and destroy. Um, it, it is also, um, it is devoid of grace. So so here's how this, here's how this works. Um, um, lifestyle standards, standards without grace are suffocating. In other words, the devil's religion is like, is a standard that you cannot meet and a standard that simply condemns you without any rescue. It is God who is our rescue. And, and so we have, to, we have to model the gospel in the church and in our homes. So we, we understand that, that parents, godly parents, want for their children biblical values. Don't stop doing that. Um, don't stop wanting for your children. But you can't use standards without grace they will they'll operate like a hammer our job as parents is not to to get our children to conform to the standard simply our job is to get them to love the standard and and so there's this principle of grace we have to give them grace as we 
we train them up to the standard. How do we do that? Um, well, we we love we need to love them to the standard. Um, so how we do that is we lower the standard. We don't eliminate the standard, but we lower the standard for the child while we raise the standard for ourselves. Um, parents want high standards for their children oftentimes, but have low expectations or low standards for themselves. And this was illustrated by, you know, the parent that reams out the child who is chewing uh, loudly at the table, right? That is, that is graceless instruction. That's having a high standard for the child, but it is actually bad manners on the part of the parent. And, and so what we understand from scripture, and we will see this in First Timothy chapter 5 addressing elders, is that without grace, you can't get your children to love the standard. But kids, as well as congregations, will love what their parents or elders loved when, when they are loved, when they're given grace. And so that's what we see in this, in this text, that what Paul is instructing Timothy as an elder and all elders and all of those that rule in households, that would include parents, because we see the extension of this command by Paul in Scripture. So this is God's word, God's command to elders, extending in a familial way, in a family way, um, to the church. And we know that the grounds for elders to learn these kinds of things is in the family. So there is an inextricable link to both households in this passage. So what does Paul tell uh, Timothy? He says, do not rebuke, but encourage. Now this word rebuke is, is a unique use of the word rebuke here. It is not the rebuke that elders are to give because of poor doctrine or those that are, insist in, in sin. They claim to be Christians, they're members of the church, but they insist to live in sin. Elders are called to rebuke that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, and they're, elders are called to rebuke one another when an elder is in sin and unrepentant, and that rebuke is to actually be in public for unrepentant sin. Um, so this word here in chapter 5, verse 1, is actually a unique word. It means to strike verbally. And so they're, so they're instructing elders um, not to rebuke, but to encourage. Not to rebuke, but to, to encourage. And so we see in this passage um, that elders... Um, are to rule in grace in the household of faith. And it's, it's our calling, it's our job as we follow Jesus, even as the first disciples that followed Jesus, uh, as pastors to pastor with grace, um, to do that with our words in the same way that we do in our homes, uh, that we are to shepherd one another with grace. Now, older men as fathers, older women as mothers, younger men as brothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. All safe and blessed.